Hello, and welcome to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about upcoming events, this podcast, and for other resources, visit candygibbs.com. Last session, and then we're going to end in worship. I was at a church service in Dallas a couple weeks ago, and the pastor started out, and this like, at first I was like, oh goodness gracious, but then by the end of it, I was like, Whoo. he said, okay, let's imagine that Jesus himself walks in that back door and he says to you, one year from today, I'm coming back. You have exactly one year. Would that change anything about the way that you live for the next year? And I was like, whoop, yes. Uh, But then this is what really got me. He said, what if the Lord sent you a text and he said, okay, I've decided that I'm going to answer every prayer that you prayed last week. I was like, I would be like, oh, I got to slide one in, you know. (laughs) But it made me start thinking about, do you remember to pray whenever there's a crisis or are you are we elevating just like we said prayer to the place that it should be in our lives all the time i can remember y'all know probably my testimony is that i got real backward in high school did a lot of terrible things the worst of which was to have an abortion and coming out of that was really like coming out of a fog and anybody that has that any kind of trauma like that i mean there's like severe disobedience everything about it was horrible and destructive but it is like walking out of a fog and you fight for sanity i mean i don't know if you've ever been in a place where you feel like i literally am losing my mind and I am fighting for the mind of Christ because I think I'm crazy. I mean, that is what it was like. And you just claw your way out of this horrible, dark place that you took yourself, right? And what everybody has likely been in a situation like that. And I can remember sort of coming out of that and being on this end of it and saying prayers to the Lord like, please let me learn how to learn lessons in the meadow. I don't ever want to go back to that. And I really believe that it is the Lord's heart for you that you would live in the meadow. But y'all, I wouldn't take for the things that I learned coming out of that. And there are some lessons that you only learn in situations like that. But there are lessons that we learn in the meadow, and then there are lessons that we learn in the difficult valleys of the shadow of death seasons in our life. But what we can know is that the Good Shepherd is with us in all of them because we're just following Him. And we're keeping our eye on the light that's on that staff. And 
We're just obedient, right, in character, and we're going to follow this shepherd. All right, 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 1. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Verse 4. With respect to this, they, the world, are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Don't you think that this is a great description of where we are as a culture? The world, with respect to this, all of this drunkenness, passions, orgies, drinking parties, lawlessness, idolatry, with respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them and they malign you. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your what? Prayers. the end of all things is at hand and you know i don't we definitely don't know that it's going to be a year from now and we can't have the luxury of knowing that but what we can do is be self-controlled and sober-minded we cannot fear or revere evil We can, just like we were talking about, get control of yourself and steady, right? Make us wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Give us wisdom in how to navigate these times. He has not left us ill-equipped or alone. We are not orphans, but we need to be sober-minded and self-controlled. Now, a drunk person doesn't see clearly. They don't hear clearly. They're not reasonable. They're not taking things seriously. That's not who we want to be. So in our mind, so that we know how to pray, so that we know where our source is, so that we can find the shepherd, we have got to be self-controlled and sober-minded. Okay, we're going to end with the last portion of Psalm 23. Psalm 23 verses 5 and 6 says this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely 
that also could be only. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why do you suppose that the table is prepared in the presence of your enemies? So that you can be like Nellie Olson and sit there with this great spread and turn around a bit right to your enemies so that they can see the goodness of God. That's right. Back in the day in the Jewish culture, when there would be a big banquet, the poor could come and watch but they would just sit along the walls and watch the wealthy or the blessed partake. And the guests were seated by age and their level of importance. And the host would greet you with a holy kiss and then wash your feet. And then they would pour perfume and anoint their guests with oil. So that is why he, this is saying that the Lord, who is the host, has prepared his table for us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil and our cups run over. Jesus, uh, in the Last Supper, y'all got to come to our feast. Um, we're going to do a retreat on the seven feasts of the Lord in July. Mallory doesn't know this yet, but <laughs> July, um, it is profound. But the Last Supper, do you all know actually what they were really celebrating? Passover. Very good. And um, Jesus did exactly this. He washed their feet, right? He filled their cups. Um, I believe that Teresa is exactly right. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies because he wants people to be able to see something that is different than what I have. And that is the blessing of the Lord. That is the goodness of the Lord. That is the mercy of the Lord. And when he anoints your head with oil, oil being the Holy Spirit, then you have power to make an impact on people around you. If your cup by the host has been filled to overflowing, that means I have something to share. So all of the people around who are completely empty and licking the bowl of the brownie batter, you have more than enough. And you have such a good father that when you share what you have in your cup, he's just going to fill you right back up. But you having a table set in the presence of your enemies is supposed to make your enemies envious of a blessed life and a relationship with the father. Because what the word says, it is not his will that anyone should perish but that all would come to the saving knowledge of the Lord. 
your enemies, my enemies, the lost, the world is dying for what we have. And it is my prayer that in these last days, however many of these are we have left, um, sometimes I wonder when I start to get overwhelmed by all the goings on in the world and all the leaders in the world that just seem to be so evil and corrupt. And I don't want you to hear me say what I'm not saying because I do not think that your salvation is dependent on me or anybody else. But what I wonder is when I look at people in leadership who are evil, sometimes I think who was supposed to share the gospel with them in the eighth grade? And who was supposed to have an impact on them when they were in high school and college? And who offices down the hall from them right now that is supposed to be an example of a table set before you to make you envious of the ways of God? I don't know if y'all watched the movie, The Jesus Revolution, but the part of that movie that captured me so much was when they were showing all the hippies at one of the gatherings and they were saying, they are looking for God and they don't know it. They're trying to find acceptance and community and something that's bigger than themselves and all of those things. Well, that is what we are supposed to be demonstrating. And so when we think about powerful and effective prayers, we need to imagine that table that has been set in the presence of enemies. And we need to ask the Lord, who isn't at the table? Would you bring them to my mind? Because that is when you can go to war on behalf of the greater world, the country, all the things going on, because the Lord will say, pray for this person. They're not at the table. If we can get some of these people at the table, we can change everything, right? And it is not his will that anyone perish. So we can have effective prayers personally. We can have prayers that are like doing battle. And we can have powerful and effective prayers that impact the world around us. Matthew 18, 11 through 13. <clears throat> what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Our life our relationship with the Savior, our seat at the table, His Spirit, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit on us, and the blessings on our life should point people to Jesus. So we want to pray with the end in mind. We want to learn how to come in and receive intimate ministry from the Lord himself through prayer.
We want to be equipped and tended to when we come in so that we can go out and we can war on behalf of the kingdom and in uh, favor and for our families. And then we want to pray with the end in mind. Because however much time we have left, it's short. Back to the wrestling analogy, one of the things, those matches are three two-minute periods. And I don't know how many times in my life I have stood on the side of the mat and yelled, short time, hold on, because it's short time. And I hear the Holy Spirit say that almost every day. Hold on, it is short time. But you don't want to be sitting on the bench. You want to be in the game. And you want to be powerful and effective for the things that he has called you to do. So I am giving you my word that I'm going to step up my prayer game uh, because I want to live with the end in mind. And when he comes, I want him to see us doing what he's called us to do. And I want him to come back for a pure, powerful, spotless bride who is ready to meet her bridegroom. And that's who he's called you to be. And your families are blessed to have you. And I am thankful for women like you that would give up Sunday afternoon to come and spend time focused on having a deeper, more intimate relationship with the Lord. So we're going to end today in just a time of worship. I think Mal and Jackie are going to lead us, and I'm going to just close us out in prayer. But I want you to feel comfortable. You can stay right where you are, or you can spread out around the room. Uh, but we're just going to end with the last few minutes just giving all of this back to the Lord. So God, we thank you. <clears throat> thank you, God, that when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. I thank you, Lord, that you know. You know all the things that we're concerned with. You know all the things that we want to see happen. You know what our desires are, God, and you know the things that hold us back. And I thank you, God, that you are the lifter of our heads. And I thank you that you protect us, that you defend us, that you provide for us, and that you lead us. I thank you that you're not leaving us here. And I thank you, God, that you have a unique calling for each one of us. You've prepared good works in advance for us, and you've prepared us. And God, we choose you, and we would follow you anywhere. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the sacrifice that you've made for us. And I thank you, God, that you are the mighty Lion of Judah. And so the places, God, where we need a gentle whisper, I thank you for that. And the places where we need to hear you roar, we, we give you permission, God. And we just want you to do whatever you need to do in our lives. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. For more information and other resources, visit candygibbs.com.